Hello and welcome to this week's Politics in the Pulpit, a lectionary-based preaching resource designed to ask the provocative questions of how politics could appear in our preaching this week. My name is the Reverend Chris Upton, I'm a Baptist minister, and for 23 years I preached out of West Lane Baptist Church in Haworth, but now I work for Christians Against Poverty as the church funding officer and as the national lead to the Waterways Chaplaincy. Through both these roles, I'm gaining an even wider perspective on how society is changing and on how politics and faith interact in the public sphere. My guest today is Caro Penny. Caro is a member of the Iona community and of the United Reformed Church. She is currently warden of the Abbey, where the resident group live out the community's commitment to a radical hospitality. Previously, she's undertaken other roles within the Iona community, been a URC minister, mainly in two of Glasgow's housing schemes. She is very committed to the community and participated in a church partnership with Cuba and led worship at many conferences. Caro, welcome. It's good to have you with us today. Thank you, Chris. Greetings from Iona. It's great to be here. Marvels of the internet, isn't it? In a moment, we will dive into the lectionary text, but some headlines that sadly we recognise uh, that probably will be with us for the coming Sunday as well. Conflict is still raging in Gaza and Israel, with the death toll rising and airstrikes continuing. The Gaza-Egypt border crossing remains closed at the moment. More anti-Semitic incidents in the UK this week than ever. The Voice referendum in Australia, the country voted no, 60 to 40, to elevate indigenous voices and give greater rights. A further Afghanistan earthquake, the third in the week, has come. There are various elections across the world, Poland, Ecuador and Liberia. But the Russia-Ukraine war continues after day 600 of the war, Russia's launched major offensive in Avdivka in eastern Ukraine. In the church calendar, it's still Black History Month, Challenge Poverty Week in England and Wales, Anti-Slavery Day on the 18th, and the Week of Prayer for World Peace, 15th to the 22nd. But this coming Saturday, there are events all around the country and online for the Let's End Poverty Founding Assembly a movement made up of individuals and organisations working together to get ending poverty back onto the political agenda. Well, with all that in mind, even before we look at the texts, Caro, how do you feel about politics and the pulpit? Easy bedfellows or...? Um, I'm not sure that I would call them exactly easy bedfellows, but I think they're absolutely critical bedfellows. Um, I, I mean, if I were good, if I go to church and hear someone preaching, reflecting, um, and there isn't anything about what's happening in the world today, um, nothing edgy political about it, then I probably won't be overly happy. Rushing back. <laughs> um, I might not walk out, but um, I, I think it's absolutely. Crucial. I mean, my reading of much of the Bible, Old Testament, and certainly 
the life of Jesus. I mean, absolutely political. I guess it depends a little bit about what our understanding of the word politics is. Because um, it's very easy to think, well, you know, the preacher shouldn't be saying, you've got to vote Labour or you've got to vote Conservative or whatever, you know, um, which that I agree with. But um, yeah, I mean, engaging with what's happening in the world and understanding different perspectives, including from um, from scripture. Okay. Uh, and, Carol, I mean, it was almost a stupid question. You wouldn't be here if you didn't think that. But I guess a follow-up question might be, um, have you found as you've got older or that you've become more politically engaged and more aware of the need for politics and religion to sort of intermesh. Has that been your experience or the other way around, or has it been stable throughout your life? Certainly, certainly as I've grown older, um, but I've been very, very blessed that uh, the church I became a member of in the early 1980s was really what started me thinking about um, the wider world. Um, it was a day when, time when fair trade was just coming into, you know, the public sphere as it were. And a one world shop had opened um, in the city center, this is Edinburgh. Uh, and we started a one world stall at church. Now today that just seems, God, what, what's the, what would be the problem? Um, but, you know, at the early 1980s, that was, you know, that, I mean, that was the right thing to do, but certainly not every, not every church would have done it. Not least because, it, you know, some people didn't like the idea of selling things mm -hmm. in the church building around worship, you know. Um, and the church that you were a part of then, sorry, I'm digging deep even before we get into the texts. Was it yeah. an individual preacher that... that focused your thoughts in this direction or was it the ethos of the whole church or the ethos of of the congregation i mean i can remember um a church member who even then would have been in her 60s 70s and she, i can remember her saying more than once how important it is to pay our tax mm. um, because that's how we contribute to the life mm. of you know the nation as it were and beyond um and i had never ever heard anyone say that before but i've always remembered that okay um, so yes there's lots of um seeds being sown well given our gospel reading today we might revisit that person or that phrase so <laughs> we are in proper 24 uh and it's year a so our four readings that we're going to look at for a little bit and then focus on one or two. Uh, Exodus 33, 12 to 23, Moses and God are talking. Moses gets hidden in the cleft in the rock as no one can see God's face and live. Psalm 99, a reminder that God is a king who is holy and is keen on justice. The letter, the epistle, 1 Thessalonians 1, possibly the first epistle to be written, a general bigging up of the church in Thessalonica as they are getting noticed by the surrounding people for their good works and their faith in God. And then that gospel text,
from Matthew 22, 15 to 22. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Caro, thanks ever so much for joining us. Where would you like to start with that juicy set of readings? Um, well, let's start with Exodus. Um, I, I really, when I when I read it, and it was the first time for a wee while I'd read it. Um, I, I kind of I felt for Moses. Um, he, they've obviously just had a, the difficult time with the the golden calf, um, which Aaron has been part of. So, you know, Moses' best pal and companion um, had not behaved um, as Moses and indeed God would have hoped. Um, and I think he, Moses is feeling, you know, quite kind of almost lonely. I mean, he is the leader of these people and suddenly he kind of feels... Um, lonely and the people and particularly Aaron have um, gone astray um, and he's also feeling that God isn't companioning him in, in the way that he wants and needs um, and is perhaps feeling a bit deserted um, so I've in you know initially I, I feel for Moses in that because being leader is is not easy mm -hmm. um, but it, when I thought about it, I, I also realized that, of course, when you're in that kind of situation, you want, you, you either want that sense of um, confidence and power and authority to go forth and do what you think should be happening. Um, and then, you know, so often you can say, well, that's what God was telling me whether or not, um, or you kind of sink into God's arms and say, well, God, you just, you tell me what to do. You get on with it, you know. And God is, as I read it, saying, no, no, I am with you. I love you, Moses. You're doing a great job, but I want you to be affirmed and empowered to carry on. And mm. yes, I will be around but you won't see me face to face um and i think you know i've read so many stories from different traditions uh over the years i'm thinking particularly of a sufi one um which is that we you know, we we are fearful we we lack confidence a lot of the time sometimes we're overconfident um but if we trust god and surrender to god um, that is a kind of key way forward. Um, so not not needing to have all the answers. Mm -hmm. And as far as living in community is concerned, is actually you know we the community has the answers, but people need to be listened to. Um, yes, challenged, but you know we're all in this together. So the the role of the leader is not to say right, you just do what I'm saying, but to listen. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, and that, but that's hard. That's <laughs> hard for a leader to hear as well. Um, so that was, yeah, kind of my first yeah. thought from that. that reading. Yeah. When you, whether it was about the preacher or about Moses, I think you mentioned 
I want confidence, power, and authority. Mm. That those three things, um, and I think many preachers do, uh, and many preachers perhaps, you know, act as if they have seen God uh, rather yeah. than being hidden where God hides God's self. But out of those three, confidence, power, authority, as a preacher, which would you put top in terms of need? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, which is most dangerous? That might be another question. Um, well, I think, I mean, power and authority, are, are, I kind of see you know, very much as being similar. So it, I guess it depends on whether we're meaning power out of out of my own sense of kind of fear and lack of confidence or power in the sense of being empowered by God. Yeah. So I suppose authority I would say is the in in the in the sense of you know it's not it's not my personal authority. Mm -hmm. uh, mm. So I think that's I would say is the most dangerous one. Um, because leaders including you know whether they're church leaders or um, government leaders or business leaders, whatever. Um, you know that is a that's a dangerous position to be in as well, um, in, in many ways. And I think being um, being humble about it, um, as I say, being open and listening and uh, and intentionally vulnerable to what other people and God is are saying is mm -hmm. massively important but that's probably the most difficult thing to do yeah I, I i would think so just occasionally i try and think well what would have happened if and mm. what would have happened if god had revealed god's face to moses uh, as moses sort of asked and that huge i have seen god absolute i have rather than the I had to turn away and I didn't yeah. see God, you know, may encourage a bit more humility from the pulpit. Let's leave that there. We're never going to fix or solve any of these questions, but it might be of use to other people to join in our wrestling. Mm -hmm. uh, and by the way, do you tend to focus on one text or, or twin two or three or four texts when you preach? In the, uh, here in the Abbey, in Iona Abbey, we, tend to go for one mm -hmm. um i mean i have to say that is that's partly a time mm -hmm. for, for timing reasons um otherwise you know services because we we include holy communion every sunday and we've got a lot of visitors um mm -hmm. so we just we do have to be a little bit careful about that um so occasionally i mean yesterday uh, there were two um, but you usually we we stick with one. Okay. Yeah. But, but obviously the person um, speaking can reference you know, other others. Reference yeah. others. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I think it is interesting that I suspect most church services have got slightly shorter because of timing and our ability to expect and to function mm -hmm. with all the other things we might be doing on a Sunday that fifty yeah. years ago they weren't. Anyway, let's leave Exodus hanging. Mm -hmm.
Psalm 99, 1 Thessalonians, Matthew 25, 22. They're um, all good. They're all good. Psalm 99, well, the psalm, I mean, I, you know, I love verse 4 in the middle. You know, God as a lover of justice, established equity. Um, not sure about executed because there's obviously different understandings of that word. But executed justice and forgiveness forgiving sorry justice and righteousness and then being forgiving but avenging yeah. wrongdoing so not the individuals but the the action the wrong actions um, yeah i mean i think that equates you know very very much with politics in the pulpit um I have to say, when I read it, uh, it verse four stood out as a, a bonus, and I quite wish people had drifted off by the time we got to verse eight and nine, just with yeah. the avenger of their wrongdoings. I hadn't noted the wrongdoings rather than wrongdoers. Right. Yeah. yeah. Still get a measure of that kind of binary. The Lord smote everybody sure. that wasn't on yeah. God's side. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. It's um, we can. We, I mean, and that's one of the things in Iona Abbey that we've become very aware of is just how binary mm. uh, so much, I mean, not just in the Bible, but included mm. in the Bible. Mm. Um, which we're what do you do with that binary? Do you work with a sort of progressive revelation understanding or? So, um, in terms of the version of the Bible, we've started using the uh, inclusive Bible, mm -hmm. um, which is a relatively new um, translation, which is a start. It's not, well, there's never going to be anything perfect, as it were, but um, certainly in terms of humans, you know, it doesn't talk about man and woman mm -hmm. in the same way as a, a traditional translation would. Um, and generally one of the things we started saying at the beginning of our worship and the announcements is that we we know through time that language changes mm -hmm. and if you feel uncomfortable with it when you're praying um we have responses that the congregation say or singing then feel free to to make a change respectfully so you're not shouting it out that everyone else mm -hmm. needs to hear it but you know mm -hmm. if there's something and that includes you know that includes binary so for instance, if we're if the Bible reading or a prayer talks about brothers or brothers and sisters, we will also now use the word siblings. So brothers, sisters, siblings, just mm -hmm. to make it as inclusive as possible. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that. that that's good. Thank you. I, I hadn't thought about the brother, sister, siblings as a, as a. Mm -hmm. I've noted in my preaching the use of the male pronoun for God. I, yeah. begin to really Absolutely. stick in my throat and quite how we work with the Lord's Prayer. I did a funeral last week. We said the Lord's Prayer and it would have been incongruous in that event to have moved away from the Our Father. Sure. Um, but we're learning and struggling together. Our time is going, uh, Carol. Sorry. So let's leave Thessalonians. Mm -hmm. yeah. both, yeah, it's all good. Um, but let's get on to that text you mentioned, even in the uh, introductory bit about taxes to Caesar or taxes in general. Matthew yeah. 22. Yeah, yeah. Great story. Where do you go with it? Have you preached on it even? And if so... That's a good question. Um, 
And to be honest, I can't remember. I'm sure I probably have. Yeah. Not not recently, I would say. Yeah. Uh, because here here we have different preachers every every year every week. Sorry. So, um, you know, I only do so mm. half a dozen times a year or something. Yeah. Okay. What what do you do with that text? Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Um, I think. I mean, I would agree with uh, with the church member that I think, in principle, taxes are good because that's our way of contributing to the 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 wider life of society. Mm. Um, I think another side of that is that we need to hold the politicians uh, accountable as to how they use them mm. um and and indeed who is taxed at what percentage um because i tend to think that folk who earn a lot uh, get away with not giving so much tax uh, and certainly businesses i mean the horrendous stories um you know, the, even just very, I think even just last week and talking again about Amazon having mm -hmm. not paid millions of pounds to even to the UK. Um, and then, of course, the, the, particularly just now in the cost of living crisis, I'm sure there are folk who do have to pay tax, but to pay the tax means they're really struggling even more. Um, so it's, you know, I mean, it's a difficult one, but I think in principle, I yeah that's what that's what community is about is contributing to to a a pot that we that makes life a bit more equitable for everybody in principle at least and that's the hope but leaving economics out of it for a little bit mm. if it's not just about contributing to the public common wheel um what was jesus digging into or why did they leave, verse 22, amazed, as if he had said something amazing? Well, I wonder if, in, in terms of how I understand um, giving God, you know, our, our gifts to God, um, that that, I mean, for me, that includes giving my taxes. For me, God, I mean, um, again, both here and in the church I'm a member of, uh, during our offerings, you know, we say all that we have and all that we are are mm. gifts of God for the building of God's realm, kingdom. Um, so it's very much about, not just about money, but about our time, our use of the earth's resources. Um, that's part of the commitment that members of the community make. Um, and yeah, just how how we how we live our lives in the for the good of everyone for for our yes for our own well being but not seeing me as the most important obviously mm. back to loving God loving our neighbour as ourselves it's a um, an interweaving relationship um, so. For, for me, you know, all, all my life is a gift from God, but a gift to God in the way that I spend it, mm. um, whatever it is. And, and that can sound like, oh, my goodness, but, 
you know that it doesn't that make your life off what are you doing here you know is, is it worth living <laughs> would be the kind of you know, one end i suppose of the one reaction um but i think yeah that's exactly because if i'm you know we know that to give but it's also to receive and to share mm. and that um that's what life's about uh, however challenging it can be at times but it's also hugely rewarding but the accountability and holding you know holding those in authority accountable mm. for mm. how they spend is is a huge part of that as well i i was a baptist minister and baptist churches uh, sink or swim by the finances of their congregation there's no sort of central coffers and I was reflecting on this with my mum, my, my late mum, and she lived in Denmark and went to the Lutheran church, the state church. And Sunday by Sunday, she would go and the church would be immaculate and the priest would be immaculate and there would be a cantor to lead the singing, a organist, uh, a sides person, and my mum, congregation of five four of which were paid by the state because the state tax, everybody got taxed for their church tax. And it was a way of sort of rolling with the church, keeping the church open. And you could opt out of the state tax, but everybody thought, well, 1% or half of 1%, I'll get my funeral there. And it sort of kept the church ticking over but it was a very different way of the state and taxes and religion being intertwined. Mm. And I've often thought about how that looks and we value what we pay for rather than what comes to us for free. Have you any other thoughts just rolling around the whole subject of money and faith? And taxes not per se, but do people pay to go into the Abbey? Um, they do. Um, we we the the Abbey building and the day visitors are not our responsibility. Um, but uh, yes, people do. Um, and I can remember a friend several years ago saying, "You know, but that's ridiculous." I can remember being down in London several years ago and noticing that to get into St Paul's, you had to pay. I can't, 10, 15 pounds. I'm thinking, good grief. Mm. <laughs> I just want to go and light a candle. Um, and I think that's, 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 that's a hard one because I'm thinking, but, you know, here in Iona Abbey, we have this iconic ancient building. If there isn't money coming in, it will crumble again. Mm. Um, mm. And the same, you know, you know, because church buildings, whether they're cathedrals or, Kind of local ones cost a lot of money to keep to keep going um but i also wonder whether we you know the church building almost becomes our idol mm -hmm. um and we we kind of think well we know we've got to keep that going because we can't you know if the building goes what are we going to do well i'm thinking well if there's only three of you or six of you um meet in your front room isn't that what members of the early church did do we have to have all these iconic buildings? Now I know that the Church of Scotland and won't be alone um, 
I mean, I'm sure all the denominations are struggling to, to a large extent in terms of keeping buildings up. Um, and buildings are important, but we have to, you know, make yeah. we we have to make hard decisions. Um, I, I I noted in reading the Matthew twenty two that our English translation Matthew twenty mm. verse twenty is whose head is this and whose title, but the Greek is whose icon is this. Mm. And this sort of idea of image and icon and what an icon is and what it isn't. Um, and you've mentioned how the Abbey may be an iconic building and maybe there's an, something about what is an icon and, and what isn't an icon that comes into this text and false icons, if I'm getting my English you know, puns, wrong, false idols we usually go for, but... Yeah, 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 that's an interesting question. It, I mean, it, it was interesting to see this week the, the new coins um, that are coming out, I think, at the end of the year, um, because we have a new king, mm. um, and they're all wildlife. Um, so birds and animals on each on each one. I thought, well, that's... That's an interesting change. Does it have um, a bit of Latin sense. around the edge as well? Probably. I didn't notice that, Chris. I'm Lee, sorry. Gratia, Rex, Charles, Fidei, Defensor <laughs> or something. Always conf confuse the kids when a bit of Latin kicks in. Um, but I thought, you know, that's, you know, I'm not a royalist, but, you know, he, I mean, he's very much, um, obviously, environmentally, committed and concerned with what's happening and that is one way of yeah. just on a day-to-day -day basis saying this is absolutely essential that we take care of the earth and the creatures as they take care for us so i was quite you know pleased and surprised yeah, yeah. Well, i'm almost i'm aware that we're almost full circle where we started speaking about confidence power and authority and they would be the tropes of the king or the queen. And then you've mentioned rabbits, hedgehogs, or, or the animals, yeah, almost yeah. the antidote to that. Yeah, you know, where is yeah. power? Where is God? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Carol, thank you ever so much for your reflections on these texts this morning. I found it fascinating. It's been lovely to chat to you. Um, sum it up in a sentence. Politics and the pulpit, what are we doing when we're preaching? I think we are bringing together God's word in scripture, God's word for us today through our lives, what we, what we can learn from people, particularly people who are disempowered, but also the wisdom of, of folk. Um, and just keeping that keeping that going and there's a lovely symbol which i was shown a few years ago of um there's a drawing of two hands and there's a dove just floating above and you can read it see it either as the dove landing on the hands um as being a place of support and comfort and safety or the hands releasing the dove mm the dove to go off and um, 
live out the gospel or however you want to um to express it and for me that that is a great understanding of my and our relationship with god the holy mystery um is both this place i mean like moses was wanting you know a place of um mm -hmm. comfort and to get that safety and confidence but actually god is saying yeah and now off you go <laughs> and come back yeah. but off you go you know and i think the pulpit is a is is that kind of a, should be that kind of a place so we it's not just about hearing nice words and saying yes yes of course all be well da, 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 da. but it is giving people confidence and support and encouragement and empowering them to go out of the church door and live the gospel is the pulpit best suited to questions or to answers? <laughs> uh, questions, I would say. I think that's three in a row for questions. Very <laughs> uh, <laughs> good company. I think uh, answers come from everybody in principle, yeah. and we share them. Thank you, Caro. I've got some housekeeping now. Uh, okay. So thanks so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom and reflections today. And thanks to the rest of you that have listened and joined us wherever you are, up in Scotland, down in Sheffield, anywhere in the world, asking how we should preach politics from the pulpit this week. If you have enjoyed this episode of Politics in the Pulpit, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share this episode with your friends. We also have online spaces for further engagement and discussion about faith and politics on Twitter. Oh, are we still allowed to call it Twitter? My, my silent host is in the background. You can un unmute yourself. Maybe we can't. Twitter or whatever Twitter's now called. X. X. Twitter X, the formerly known as Twitter, at politics underscore pulpits or using hashtag politics in the pulpits. We also have a Facebook group where you can access through the Joint Public Issues Team Facebook page and the website, the letters jpit.uk. The question we're leaving you with from this week's readings and episodes, power, icons, money, let us not get it wrong by being too serious and solid. Let us ask questions again from the pulpit this week. I have a short blessing. Oh, easygoing, lovely natured thing, come gently to this troubled life and bring good humor, sweetness, sweet forgiveness, love and grace. Bring gratitude and peace upon this place. Feed our sorrows to the morning birds. May their songs bring truth into our words. The great theologian Michael Lunig from Australia. Amen. Amen.